Hey there, honey bear. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Because none of it makes sense. The more you know. The more you know. (laughs) The less you know. The less you know. He who does nothing leaves nothing undone. Who said that? The Tao. Who said that? The Tao. Who? Tao. Who said that? From the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh. No, that's Dewey. Dewey. (laughs) Let's not go get into that. (laughs) An unfortunate character, if there ever was one. Indeed. Who are you? You're a very fortunate character. Thank you. My name is Brandon Alter. I am a spiritual healer. I am a tarot reader and an astrologer and a teacher of these things. And I'm also a writer and a performer and just a person in the world trying to find some peace. Who are you? I'm Angel Lopez and I don't like labels. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, moving on. I am he who astrologizes producizes, mm. writerizes, exercises, exercises, teacherizes, and uh, beaterizes around the bush. <laughs> and loverizes you. Oh, that's true. And Noche the Pup. You do loverize on Noche the Pup. And we are the spiritual gaze, in case you didn't know. Perhaps this is your very first time. Somehow you've stumbled your way into this podcast, and you're like, who are these queers? Well, we're husbands. We're healers. We're queelers. We're hikers. And we're here to talk about what we know. Or what we don't know. Or what we don't know. But usually how we first start all this off is by talking about ourselves. Because <laughs> isn't that what a podcast is for? I mean, kind of, sort of. Yeah, I know. One day we were just like, we want to be talking about ourselves and we really want people to hear about us. I know. And I'm tired of talking about myself. I know. I'm tired of thinking about myself. I'm tired of myself. Oh, but you shouldn't be because you're so great. I know, but I just, you know, I read a funny meme today that was like a witch turned somebody into a frog and was like, now you'll suffer. And then they're like on the frog and they're like, I've never known peace like this. And then the witch is like, no, wait. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds nice. Just to be like a frog on a leaf, you know? (laughs) Well, is that your wish? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Then... Ribbit, ribbit. Hi, guys. It's Angel Show now. Ribbit. I'm here with a frog and the dog. Oh, wait. Noche, don't play with the... Oh, no. Noche ate Brandon. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really let Noche eat me so quickly. Like, you didn't even try to save me. I couldn't get out from behind you this microphone. You didn't even try. You are just like, well, I guess that's how it goes. People, I'm behind a whole apparatus here. There's filters and... Lights and there's a single mic stand, camera people, and a single cord <laughs> and a single filter. I could have tripped and hurt myself. That's fair, but I died. I was eaten. You wanted to be a frog. I know it was beautiful. I loved it. All oh, those moments. Any event, <laughs> none of it happened, guys. None of it happened. Simplicity, right? Just like a little uh, bit of simplicity goes a long ways these days. I feel you on that for sure. It is nice to just kind of like sit and enjoy the view of life when you can. Yeah, but it's also like something I think we're all very out of practice with doing. Oh my God. Modern life is very complex. 
Well, let's get our check-in. Do you want? Why don't you start there, honey, with yourself? Modern life is complex. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> modern life is neither modern nor life. Discuss. <laughs> My check-in is that it's late mid-October, and I don't know how that happened. Like, what the fuck was this year? <laughs> I have no idea where I am, who I am, and how time has passed. And I am just surrendering to that. I feel like I'm treading water a little bit, which just means like trying to get through each day, trying to, uh, you know, attack what presents itself. Although I don't always feel like that's the best way to move through the day. Like sometimes I think it's better to, to start and ground yourself and take care of yourself. And then you're like better equipped to handle whatever comes your way. But recently I just like wake up and then like the loudest thing just kind of gets my attention. And then before I know it, like the day is over, which is probably not great, but there's also a lot of loud things that are shouting at me needing to be tended to. And so I try not to shout. I swear. <laughs> it's rarely you. Sometimes it's a no shame. <laughs> but all in all, I do feel like a little bit of lightning Things don't feel quite so existentially morose. I'm just like trying to be easy on myself, which doesn't come easily to myself, and allowing myself to be basic. Like I went and got an oat milk pumpkin spice latte today. I couldn't even say it. Pumpkin spice. I went and got a <laughs> pumpkin spice latte today. And it, you know what? It was delicious. It was delicious. Although I will say... When you get to the end of the latte, that's where like all the spices actually are. And then you like kind of cough on them a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if that's like a regular thing, but it certainly motivated me through all of the mishigash that I had to deal with at the bank on a Monday morning. That's my check-in. Mm -hmm. I can't tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing that I'm holding myself to less high of a standard. Can't tell. But that's kind of where I'm at. Right. It feels like... It's a good thing, right? In that you're not pressuring yourself into expectations or like level of expectations that are based on like an old way of being because a lot has changed. True, fair, acknowledged. So, but at the same time, yeah, maybe it could be a resistance to beginning anew. I don't really know. Nor I. May I pull an animal medicine card for you? I guess. Sure. Wow. A free reading. This never happens. Now I'm just going to shuffle these. And basically, you're going to tell me when to stop. Okay. And the card that is on the top is your card. Stop. The mountain lion. Oh, shit. The mountain lion tells you to take courage and be brave, to risk being a living example. Yikes. And to become a leader without followers. What does that mean? I think it means to become a leader without the need to seek followers. So I just gotta like lead myself. It's a little bit of like a trailblazer card, right? I guess so. Yeah. All right, mountain lion. I receive you. So take courage and be brave. I respect you. I open up my heart to you. And I ask that I please not see you in real life <laughs> yeah. when I'm hiking on my own. Uh, yeah. Because that would be scary as fuck. I will be um, avoiding going on hikes with you for the next three weeks. 
Is that when the card ends? <laughs> yeah. It only lasts three weeks. And then it's like, well, that was all you got. No, I will be there to protect you. What about you, babe? What's your check-in? And thank you for that. I really appreciated a little bit of assistance there. You're welcome. Let's see. What do I need to share with the people? Can we just share how Noche has been very like needy and noisy recently? Mm-hmm. Like Noche is really like finding his voice is what we're calling it. But we're also like, why Why are you so talkative all of a sudden? I and know. like, it's not just a lot of barking, which it is, but there's also a lot of like, mm-hmm. like he's like, he's trying to like form words, but he can't. Well, he too is struggling with the uh, shift. I guess in the so. Air. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's the hold back, push forward that we're all going through. Yeah. I would say the only things really thriving in this household right now are all the plants. The plants don't seem to be struggling. Um, thanks. Because I'm doing great. <laughs> so don't. How dare you? I'm sorry. Please. Please elucidate <laughs> all the gazers about how you're thriving right now. Just rub it in everybody's face. Um, I think a lot of my just like personal work these days is just like, I mean, on one hand, just about like trying to get much more present with myself because I feel like the more and more present I can get with myself, the more and more present I can get with the circumstances of life right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like I just feel like it's so important to gain acceptance about where I'm at in my life. Like there's a lot of things happening um, work wise um, that I'm trying to juggle and I easily get caught up in the mental space of, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. And then I'm just like kind of trapped in that story. And then I just go looking for whatever like self-soothing opportunities I can find, you know? But I feel like in the past, it's like those have been like either some sort of food or internet or social media, what have you. And I'm really trying to break myself of those habits as best I can, not always winning. But then it becomes like about, okay, so what's at like the root of why I need these self-soothing mechanisms in my life, you know? So I've just been like trying to like in those moments where I'm like, uh, I can't deal with this right now. Let me go get a thing. I'm more just like trying to pause and be like, okay, Angel, well, why can't you deal with this right now? Like what's really going on? And just like trying to sit with myself more and just kind of break it down. So again, yeah, like I can try to do my best to step into some presence because I just really want to be like so present for my life right now as best as I can. Because like you mentioned, it just fucking flies. And I also feel like I've been kind of waking up a bit from like this, this like grief slumber party that I've been having for a good amount of this year. A grief slumber party. Yeah. Except it's like, you know, the kind of slumber party you just like really want to to call your mom and be like, come and get me. But Mm. (laughs) you can't leave. You know, like it hasn't been entirely fun, but it's like I built my own fort and I just like burrowed into it in the corner. And I do feel like I'm on some level coming out of the hibernation of it. But I find that October is always that time of year for me because the sun moves into my seventh house. It like does that whole transition from the sixth into the seventh house Mm -hmm. around this time. So I get into that top half 
of of the of the chart you know so i'm like being forced on some level like out into the world a little bit more so it becomes like this time where i'm like processing like okay what do i need with me and what don't i need to move forward so yeah i guess like that's you know where i'm at a lot of processing a lot of uh attempts at presence i mean i think that's really relatable i i like what you say about like the story we tell ourselves about the thing is like more exhausting than the actual thing itself. Yeah. Like when you get into this whole story of like, I'm so overwhelmed, there's so much to do that like takes the energy from you that would be better spent just like on the things that you have to do. For sure. It's like anytime our accountant Edna emails me and asks me for something. And even if it's something that I could do in like literally two and a half minutes, it takes me days to respond because the energetic story around like taxes and the stress of that is paralyzing. Yeah. And so then like I will send that email and I will be exhausted. <laughs> totally. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what did I do today? Like I sent an, I sent an email to my accountant answering this one question, but it took me like five days to do it. And I'm exhausted from all of the story around it. Yeah, I know. Well, it's because we have these like, expectations on ourselves in certain in some ways right it's like oh shit now i'm expected to do this and really it's it's not that taxing well i find taxes quite taxing well yes funnily of enough. course but it is the emotional story that's connected with it right. because really it's just like answering an email do you know what i mean like if somebody asked me a question about something else it wouldn't be nearly as intense but it's just like you know everything that i've psychologically connected to the response to that email. All right, well, this is great. I'm learning to be basic and you're learning to be present. And that's <laughs> our check-in, everybody. That's what we have to look forward to this fall. Basic presence. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. It does. I would even enjoy a basic present, you know? Oh. Like some warm socks. What else is a basic present? We could use some new warm socks. So there we go. We could. That could be our next purchase. What else though? What is, what is another basic present? Like a candle, a, like a candle, oh, can always use. Always I mean, a good I candle. love a good candle. Okay, one more. I want one more basic present. This doesn't sound basic, but like an orchid. Oh, but you know what? It is kind of basic, right? Because like when you when don't you... know what to get somebody, you're like, I'll just buy them a nice orchid. Yeah. Which is stressful, frankly. Orchids are stressful. Yeah. When I receive an orchid, I'm like, oh gosh, here I, I go. I know. And sometimes I'm like, is the beauty worth it? Like, they're beautiful and all, don't get me wrong, but, like, is it worth how much work it requires? And have we watered the orchid? No. <laughs> no. Because oh, you're, like, no. supposed to, what, like, put an ice cube in it, like, once a week? And, like, who can no. remember that? But then I've also heard that that's actually not good for it. Like, oh my the goddess. temperature of it's not good. I just I'm don't sure. know. Ay vey. And then the like flowers die, but like the green leafy plant is still alive, but like that's not that gorgeous. And then you're supposed to like keep it around for like nine months until it like blooms again. Well, yeah, but I think you're, are you supposed to water it even though it's not flowering? I don't know. I'm well, not you must. It's a live plant. I'm not a botanist. Well, you need to figure it out. I'm not Maybe an orchidologist. Should, perhaps you should go to botany school. I'm not going to botany school, <laughs> but I would love to be an arborist. I would love to like be a tree scientist. Well, take, go get a certification. Get a certification. <laughs> I think that's called like a degree, honey. I think you, you have can't to just like, get certified in Arbany. I don't think Arbany. so. <laughs> Arbany. <laughs> what would it be? 
uh, in arboreal studies. Arboreal studies. Arborological uh, studies. Yeah, arborological <laughs> studies. Oh, Lord. Shall we leave the microcosm of ourselves and head out into the macrocosm of the cosmos? Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. With this episode's Cosmic Update! We might be hot messes, but we're damn good astrologers. So let's talk about what's happening in the heavens right now. And I get inspired even just off of what we were talking about by... Oh, you do? Well, just the fact that we, as of this recording, and when you all hear this, will have come out of a lot of planets being retrograde. Yeah. You know, we've had the, you know, the last three weeks of Mercury retrograde. Hated it. Hated it so much. Usually (laughs) don't hate it that much, but really hated it this time. Yeah, we've had Jupiter and Saturn both retrograde. Um, And then, you know, we had some of the outer planets retrograde as well. So Pluto went direct. And then Saturn and Jupiter and Mercury. So we actually have um, all this like forward motion at play again, which is so damn refreshing. Yeah. Well, it did change the balance that there are now more direct planets than retrograde planets, which is nice. Yeah. Because we currently only have Uranus and Neptune still retrograde. But it's nice to have all of the personal planets and the two great teachers, Saturn and Jupiter, moving us forward because they do feel like those are the ones that can really have like a strong effect on our day-to-day lives. So if you have been particularly over the last, well, really like what, four, five months now, been feeling some sense of like what we were talking about before, this kind of like stop-start energy I think that that's been a lot of, at least astrologically speaking, a lot of what has been affecting that. Yeah, it feels like both of those planets lay down and they're like, you shall not pass, you know, like you will not get beyond this particular issue or wherever it was that they stopped and started their retrograde voyage. They're like, you're not going to get further than this. And sometimes that's really frustrating because you're like, I'm tired of these same old lessons. Yeah. Give me a new lesson, please. So here they come. (laughs) So here they come. But they're going to be related to like some of the old lessons, right? They always are. Yeah, because they're, you know, when a planet retrogrades, it goes back in time to some of like the ground that you've already covered. And now we're moving forward along that ground again. So we are taking even on some level like a third look at certain things. Particularly, you can look at it from a work perspective, even just because Saturn rules our work that we're doing. So you may find that there was work that you set in place in like March, April, and then had to kind of pull back on or reconfigure, uh, reapproach, and now are finding a way of like pushing it out or, or a new way of pushing it out, given everything that you've learned. Yeah, a third and final look. Yeah, so it is a lot of revisiting uh, some things that may have started in March and April of this year, um, which was 
really like a pretty forward momentum time because every planet was direct back then. It was. Yeah, we had none of even the outer planets were retrograde. Yeah, and everybody was getting the vaccine and there was like an optimism for like hot, sad girl summer. Yeah. It was a different world. Yeah, everyone was just like, go, go, go. Here we are, here, let's get some things done. We're doing it. Back to life, back to reality. So we're getting back to that, some semblance of that type of energy that was going on then but we still have some like larger just societal cyclical things that we still have to uh be mindful of as we move forward in our own lives and that i think is represented by like the neptune and the uranus and worth bringing up too that like we still have one more hit of the uranus saturn square that's been like the big story this year. Um, what a story it's been. Yeah, it's been like a bit of a of a struggle, you know, between this like God of like structure and responsibility and work and this other God of like chaos and authenticity and change. And so those two aspects have been on some level, in an argument, in each of our lives, in some way, this like need for structure, this need to take care of the responsibility you have for the work you want to do in this world, but also then like asserting your authenticity and making or taking the changes that need to occur in order to do so. And sometimes those things don't wed well. You know, like your responsibilities and like your uh, authentic uh, needs don't always go hand in hand. Yeah. Well, I also think like Uranus is kind of a fast planet. Mm -hmm. Like it's a bolt of lightning. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. So it's a lot like Mars in a way where it can like be impulsive change or you just like have to make a change because you feel inspired, whereas Saturn is so slow. Saturn is change that happens over large periods of time. It's it's a hard sense of commitment, where Uranus sometimes just like wants to change it, change it once, change it completely, and then just like move on. And Saturn's like, well, there are consequences for that. Right. Or like sometimes just like, Changing it fast means you're then just going to have to change it again because you're not changing towards what you actually want. You're just changing. Mm-hmm. No, completely. And especially for uh, any folks out there who have like Saturn and Uranus, like in that like fixed category, right? Because you're dealing with like direct Taurus, Scorpio, or Aquarius, Leo issues because. Saturn and Uranus are in two of those signs. Yeah, it's not easy to be a fixed sign this year. Yeah. No me gusta. Yeah, so if you have any planets in one of those four signs, you're being, you know, pretty heavily affected. Also, you're probably going to be the the last to make the change. Probably, yeah. Because fixed signs are those with a lot of fixed sign placements can be like very stubborn, very crystallized. And so when the powers that be come along and say, you're going to have to change, you wait until the very last minute to do so. Yeah. And I think everyone on some level is probably feeling 
this sense of like, even if you've put changes in motion in your life, you're like, oh, I haven't really like fully on some level embraced it, embraced it. Yeah. Or yeah. Or made some sort of even internal shift, mental shift, emotional shift around it. And, you know, we're going to have that third hit at the end of December. So just know you can utilize a lot of this forward momentum energy to help really like shatter whatever um, walls you have keeping you from really manifesting those changes. I just know for myself, like it's so much like mental barrier activity that I am like in the process of busting down, you know? It's interesting. Just shattering walls, like Saturn Uh being walls, right? Boundaries, Mm -hmm. restriction, and shattering being something that kind of like very Uranian happens like instantly and is kind of like you can't put it back together. Yeah. So identifying where some of this stuff is happening. And you already know, I'm sure by now, you got to (laughs) know. I still don't. Somehow, I, don't, somehow I'm, I feel like it's eluded me. But that's a conversation for another. <laughs> well, you have two months. I have a reading in February with one of my favorite astrologers, so we'll just look back and she'll tell me what it was, and I'll be like, "Oh, okay, cool. Let's move forwards." That's the thing is sometimes it's so hard to see in your own life, which is why it's important to like come together with other people and get perspective on your chart because other people can see it so much more clearly. Yeah. No, it's so true. Well, I'm happy to read you for filth if you want. I'm not emotionally prepared for you to read me for filth, honestly. I know. You would think, um, gentle gazer listener, that like we would like be reading each other left and right here, but that would probably be a recipe for disaster if we did. Yeah. Yeah, it's very combative over here when we do that sort of work. Um, it can be. But also, you gave me a beautiful reading in, in the car on my birthday. Mm-hmm. So that actually was really lovely. Yeah. I actually don't think it's that. You have told me that I am the hardest client you have ever had to read. Yeah. Well, because you, <laughs> that was the very first time that you asked me to read you. And you uh, didn't like what I had to say. Well, that sounds about right. <laughs> I'm a very defensive client. <laughs> But I don't think I was wrong. No, you're a very good astrologer. (laughs) So I'm happy to help break down your Saturn Uranus square if you'd like. We could do it here on the air. Uh, Fuck no. Actually, I have your chart right here. Let's go. Fuck out of here, Mr. Lopez. No gracias. (laughs) How about we do it in Astro Club? Okay, maybe. (laughs) That could maybe be a That'd be fun. Or we could do it. You know what? We should do it in Astrology for Seekers when we talk about Saturn cycles. Oh, yeah. That would actually be probably pretty helpful yeah we're gonna put the teacher on the spot fun all right well i can't wait okay great but yeah y'all we've got a class coming up it starts uh on tuesday seven weeks astrology for seekers and we're gonna be talking about slightly more advanced astrological concepts they're not that advanced it's just like beyond you know sun moon rising what the planets mean we're gonna be talking about things like annual perfections and solar return charts saturn cycles jupiter cycles And we're going to be talking about secondary progressions, which is what we are going to do a little deep dive into today. Yeah, we're going to kick it off. So let's get ready for this episode's Deep Deep Dive. 
Festival. So secondary progressions are an astrological technique that helps us understand the story of our chart, our birth chart, as it continues to be told, as we live it out. And maybe you've heard the term progressed thrown around in astrological or spiritual circles. Like you have a friend who's a Libra son who all of a sudden gets a little feisty with you and your friend goes, well, I'm a progressed Scorpio son now. <laughs> and you say, what does that mean? And they say, I don't have time to tell you because my Venus is a progressed Aries. Yeah, there you go. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> Who knows? Amen. The idea is, is that while your birth chart is fixed, the planets are not. The planets continue to evolve. And so, whereas a birth chart is a really great foundational astrology technique to help you understand like who you are and how you operate. Progressed astrology can be used as a predictive technique, and it's also really looking at how your birth chart as a seed evolves. What is it going to grow into? We really love progressed astrology because it adds this secondary layer, and that's why it's called secondary progressions, because it's giving you this second piece of information to help you relate to yourself. The technique for this is actually very, very simple, and it basically uses a day for a year translation, meaning that if you look at what happened in each day of, say, like the first 90 days of your life when you were a little newborn, that translates into what your chart will express for like the, you know, 90 years of your lifespan. And just to clarify, you're talking planetary placements for the 90 days, not literally the events of your first 90 days of living. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Although what we're talking about in those first 90 days, or let's even just say 100 days, if you're going to live to be 100 years, in those first 100 days, you are this like tiny little sponge and you are receiving so much. And we know that what happens at the very beginning of your life, even when you're in womb, makes a difference. And so what's happening with the planets in those first hundred days of your life ends up being lived out through you in your secondary progress chart. So that means that the planets we're really looking at when we're talking about secondary progressions are going to be those personal planets, those planets that move fairly quickly. The sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, the moon, certainly. And we can also have progressed points in the chart, like a progressed ascendant, a progressed midheaven. Outer planets, probably not so much. I mean, very rarely somebody might have you know, a Saturn or a Jupiter that slips from like 29 degrees of one sign into zero of the next sign, that would be very significant, you know, that you might have a progressed Jupiter or Saturn that changes signs. But for most of us, those planets are probably going to stay the same. Um, because like, as you've noticed, like Saturn and Jupiter have basically been in the same sign all year this year. I mean, Jupiter slipped into Pisces for a little bit, but mostly in Aquarius. So when you're looking at a secondary progressions chart, you are really looking at the evolution of Venus, which is our attraction, our desires, how we relate to other people, our progressed Mercury, which is how we contextualize, how we make decisions, how we think about the world at large, how we communicate, progressed Mars, which is how we take action, our own vitality and life force, and of course the progressed Moon, which really gives us a sense of like what we desire 
and how our emotions are being tended to. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this episode about the difference between the moon and Venus, right? Because Venus in some ways is our attraction and the moon is our needs, but what separates them? And I think the moon really suggests the needs that we ourselves have to meet. Like how you contend yourself is really what the moon shows us. Whereas Venus are the needs that other people have to meet in your life. Those needs that require witnessing or cooperation in order to achieve. And so all of these planets, as they shift signs and shift into different houses than they are in your birth chart, suggest that you are evolving in how you relate to these themes and issues. So if you can get an understanding of your progressed placements, you know, how your planets are progressing, I think it can offer some clues into how to step into your own personal evolution. Because in a way, these progressed placements are really, I think on some level, like invitations into a greater evolution of yourself. Yeah. It's like these planets, all of a sudden, when they shift signs, they like put on another costume. And so all of a sudden, there's this aspect of yourself that gets to express and exhibit and explore in different ways. And so understanding the secondary progressions just broadens your ability to be all of yourself. Yeah. And sometimes it just helps to explain what the fuck is going on. Well, yeah, it's another clue into, um, yeah, understanding, oh, why I have maybe grown into a certain way of being. Yeah. And so if you pull up a chart for this, you'll see that generally the planets have moved beyond a little bit where they were when you were born. But sometimes they may have moved behind because if you were born... And then a day or a week or even a month later, Mercury or Venus or Mars started a retrograde cycle, then you might have a planet that is then progressed in a retrograde motion, which is also really significant to understand like, oh, my progressed Mercury is now moving backwards. So I'm reviewing certain themes. I'm returning to certain thoughts or stories. Or if it's a reversed Venus, you're reviewing relationships, you're returning to old relationships, you're turning a little bit more inwards. Whereas if you were born with a Venus retrograde, and then, I don't know, 40 days later, Venus stations direct, in your 40th year of life, all of a sudden, you might become this crazy social butterfly that you had never been previously, because your progressed Venus is now no longer hindered by a retrograde function. So when looking at these charts, the things to really pay attention to are, has this planet either stationed direct or retrograde? Because that can shift things pretty majorly. But also, what aspects are these planets making to my natal chart? So I don't work too much with like transits in terms of like how transiting planets are affecting my progressions. I'm really looking more at like how the progressions are relating to my natal placements. And for all of us, like the sun will always sextile the sun when you're 60 years old, because everyone's sun is going to move 60 degrees. And so that's something that we understand like, oh, okay, like my evolved sun, my evolved identity will then be able to help out my understanding of who I was. And the combinations for these sorts of aspects are pretty infinite, uh, just based on where the planets were when you were born. 
but it might be that some of your progressed planets end up like conjuncting each other. Like you, Angel, right now, you said that you have a Mars-Venus conjunction in your progressed chart, right? Like Venus caught up to Mars, and so now they're conjunct in your progressions? Yeah. I mean, they're not um, right on top of each other entirely, but uh, yeah, my progressed Mars is at 11 Aries, and my progressed Venus is at 12 Aries. And then my natal sun is actually eight degrees Aries. So, oh, wow. So they're all clustered together. Yeah. So, I mean, they've already, they're a little bit past my sun, but still close-ish enough, right? And you said this is all happening in your 12th house? Yes. When does your sun get out of the 12th house? Oh, well, my progressed sun got out of the 12th house earlier this year. Oh. But Mars and Venus haven't yet? No, and I doubt they ever will. Because <laughs> my Mars, I was born with my Mars at a very early degree in my 11th house. Got it. So, because um, I was born Mars in Pisces. Got it. Um, at eight, at seven degrees. I understand. So, and my Venus is, um, I was actually born with a Venus retrograde. Oh, okay. So my Venus has since gone direct which was kind of around the time when you met me yes so these sorts of things are really interesting predictive techniques because maybe like an astrologer could have looked at your chart and been like oh well his venus is going to station direct when he's 34 35 years old so that might be when he you know like meets a potential partner yeah well it was a little bit before you but i can yeah i think it was like i would think it was like 31 but that makes so much that that helps give me some greater understanding already i had some understanding just being venus retrograde um that i was slow to relationships slow to connect um and i was just like such a late bloomer in relationships in general uh in romantic relationships friendships definitely not um, but I guess in hindsight, I did always ultimately like find myself, find myself backing away from some of them. Um, but it is really helpful to see, yeah, that like in my early thirties, I did really start to get a sense of like, okay, I can put myself out there more, you know, like I was just like kind of into like, just kind of meeting someone like in the corner of a dark crowded bar but then it was in my early 30s where I was kind of like, all right, I think I will like start to, you know, try and date and like put myself out there, you know, on whatever means were possible at that time. We didn't have like all the apps back then. Just like a chat room. I was putting myself out on like what were just like dating sites. Kids. That's what they were before like match.com i think it was like the plenty of fish it was kind of like right wasn't that what it was called did you ever do that one ever no you I didn't only, do any sites did i did you? one called qju which was for like queer right. jews yeah oh you know which one there was one called connection but with like x's or like an x and i was really into that one i bet you were <laughs> it wasn't like tawdry i mean with two x's it sounds like it would be no it was totally dates they weren't like, it wasn't hookup per se. Got it. Those were still, you know, sought out in the corner of dark bars back then. <sighs> Those were the days. They were the days. So the thing about secondary progressions is that with the exception of the moon, 
the planets are not going to progress through the whole chart. They're going to stay in a particular quadrant, essentially. So like your sun will progress two, maybe three signs at most, because that's pretty much as long as we're going to live, you know? So like, for example, I'm a 26 degree Aquarius sun. So when I turned 30, I was a 26 degree Pisces sun. And when I turn 60, I'll be a 26 degree Aries sun. And when I turn, you know, 64, I'll be a zero degree Taurus sun, right? So like you're getting a sense of the progression. So for you too, just add however old you are to the degree of your sun, and that will get you to wherever your progressed sun is. Now the moon, however, is a really important player in secondary progressions because the moon changes signs every two and a half days. So we will cycle through a whole progressed moon phase about every 27 years or so, meaning that we all get to experience the secondary qualities of having a different type of moon. So your moon sign is always going to be your moon sign. Like I'm always going to be a Capricorn moon. That's never going to change. But like right now I'm a Taurus moon, which explains why I'm looking for like security and comfort and things that I can like touch and feel in food, in stability, in nature. And that will last for like two and a half years. And so it's helpful to understand what your progressed moon is, especially if your progressed moon is a new moon or a full moon, because that's really where some of the magic of secondary progressions in terms of predictive astrology really works. Because you have, I mean, again, depending on the length of your life, but even if you're only going to live to 60, you're probably going to have at least two new moons and two full moons, and those will take up a whole year of your life, essentially. And so when you have a progressed new moon, that's a really significant shift. It might feel like you're coming out of the closet in some new way, especially if you can understand what part of your chart, like what house it's happening in. And a full moon is certainly going to be like a big manifestation magic year if you're having a progressed full moon year as well, knowing what sign they were in. Because the moon is the closest body to Earth, the moon really is helpful in showing us where things are going to manifest. And so when your progressed moon is making aspects to natal planets, that really brings awareness to that part of your chart, can show where things are wanting to come into form. So like for me, as a progressed Aries sun having just come into a progressed Taurus moon, I know that I actually had a new moon year like a year and a half ago. Mm, Right. When everything changed, right? Like started a business, bought a house. Like my life took on a totally different expression of Aries qualities because it was a new moon in Aries in terms of like identity and how I present myself. Hmm. And now with this progressed moon in Taurus, I'm trying to like solidify and integrate some of those new beginnings. That's interesting. Right? How else do you see like the progressed Taurus showing up for yourself? Uh, Well, I've gained five to 10 pounds. So that happens. Um, (laughs) There is a desire to take care of oneself in ways that are like predominantly Torin, right? Which are tactile and comfort based and that like nurture, 
right? So like, whereas my Capricorn moon always took comfort in like ambition and legacy, that's not quite as impactful for me right now as a progressed Taurus moon as just like a soft blanket and like a hot cup of tea or like meditating outside or like stillness or peace, like being a fucking frog on a leaf, right? Yeah. Like that's a very progressed Taurus moon thing to want. You know what I mean? Um, but then of course you'll have years where your progressed moon lines up with your birth moon and then you're just going to be like double what that is. <laughs> right. You know? So for instance, so I actually have a, my progressed moon at the tail of Pisces right now. Mm. So I've been a progressed moon, I guess, for the last two and some change years. Well, that makes a lot of sense because you've been like meeting your own needs spiritually in like Completely. a really big way. Yeah. It's been so much like, yeah, all the work in this podcast and just like deepening my relationship with, yeah, like what are my soul's goals? And pay attention to the house. What house is Pisces for you? 11. Bingo. So it's about your community. It's about like using your moon for the good of the people and to also like empower your goals and your dreams and your relationships. Right. And you've created this like really beautiful network of like spiritual people through that like Pisces moon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's actually just since we were talking about connections to our natal placements, it's technically trining my 28 degree cancer moon. I mean, which would explain why sensitivity. you're so emotional, <laughs> but also why you're so able to like tend to it. Right. You know, you've been really gentle with yourself, even in the face of tremendous challenge. Yeah. So yeah, noticing how that moon progressed in Pisces is making aspects to your natal moon mm -hmm. can certainly help to to make more sense of that. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed the Pisces moon experience, but I'm ready to get back to, I'm getting ready to get to Aries moon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look out world. Yeah. So then your progressed moon will be creeping up on your sun. On my natal sun. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all of these other progressed. Aries placements. Aries. Yeah. Placements that yeah. I have. So it's really helpful. It's really helpful to understand when these planets have shifted signs for you because they're going to add a different language with which they can speak, a different language with which you can speak to others through your Mercury or your Mars or your Venus. But also when they shift houses, like Angel and I both as 12th house sons have had the experience of our progressed sun moving out of the 12th house, which can feel like being set free. It's a very profound experience. Or if you're like a fourth house son and you're, you know, spending 30 years at home when all of a sudden your house, your son shifts into the fifth house, it can feel like, and now I can like play and explore. It's where these energies might want to evolve. And so it's really helpful just to like get a glimpse of your progress chart so that you understand like, what am I moving towards? It, it gives you a, a sense of the larger story that your soul might want to tell. Yeah. Um, I know I had my progress sun set free from the 12th house over the ascendant just yeah I, I think it was in march of this year mm -hmm. once i like really understood that like shift 
of needing to like be seen. Oh my God. I mean, you've put yourself out there in ways that you've never done in my experience in like our 11 years of being together, just in the last like literal six months. No, I know. And like, I've had to like stand on stages, you know, like yeah. some of them virtual, but still stages that, yeah, I hadn't necessarily been comfortable in. And really exposing yourself, which is what the first house is all about. Yeah. And if you think about a sun on the ascendant, it's literally like, here I am. What you see is what you get. Spotlight, bitch. For sure. But also your ascendant progresses, your midheaven progresses. So there's also like this evolution of what you present to the world and what the world expects of you. And it is a beautiful language, I think, because it acknowledges that everything is always moving. Everything is always in flux. And so to even understand your birth chart as this living, breathing thing, I think is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, it is all about like evolution, right? And I like to really take that approach with astrology in general, right? Like we, I think both of us share like this soul-centered evolutionary approach to astrology and that we are all here as like souls looking to evolve. So it's nice to have this additional component to the astrological language to help get a sense of that evolution. It's also nice if you have like a particular placement in your chart that you're just like always struggling with. For example, like I am born with sun square Saturn, but guess what? My progressed sun don't square Saturn no more. You know what I'm saying? So like it's a sense of liberation from certain aspects of your chart. Now, of course, my natal chart will always have sun square Saturn. So it's always an aspect that I have to work with. But to know that my progressed sun doesn't necessarily have that tense relationship with Saturn gives me an opportunity to express like my progressed airy sun in ways that Saturn doesn't hinder as much. Um, I was just recognizing that you're technically like a progressed double Taurus. Because you're a Taurus rising as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I just like want to shop and eat. And be stubborn as fuck. Okay. How dare you? Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> I mean, I've always been stubborn because I'm I'm all fixed signs. Um, I'm all fixed signs. But I did notice too that your progress ascendant is conjunct your natal node. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how is that experience? I don't know, girl. I'm about to have a nodal return and like next year so mm -hmm. so that'll make that'll make more sense i think but it's interesting because like taurus is not necessarily a sign that i've been that steeped in for a lot of my life because i don't really i mean besides my north node i don't have a lot there natally and i mean you know you're a taurus rising my mom's a double taurus like i understand taurus energy but you know i'm much more interested in Aquarian themes and Aries themes. Like I'm interested in moving fast. I'm interested in like intellectual exploration. And all of a sudden in Taurus, I'm now interested in like stability and longevity and sustainability. I'm interested in like exchange with the environment around me and simplicity and, and just like, you know, a good Taurus is like Ferdinand the bull, just like happy in the pasture. And that's kind of what a lot of my goals are recently is like, I just want to find a way to be happy in the pasture. Yeah. But it does seem, too, because it's second house for you, that on some level you've had to, like, slow down and do the work. Yeah, it's been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's your node. That's can't your north node it. right there. Can't zip through it. Your north node is like, hi, I want you to... Hunker down. Hunker down and do the work yeah. so that you can like... I am. I mean, I've literally... Ne- I mean, Taurus is the builder, right? Like, Taurus is like a hard worker, a construction worker. You know, like, I have been working so hard in this last, like, year and a half. And, you know, it's it's not something I'm entirely used to. Yeah. I'm used to working smart. I'm not used to working hard. <laughs> Okay. She's been working hard. Oh, yeah, because sometimes working smart is not working at all. That's true. <laughs> it's true. It's just getting somebody else to do the work for you. So you can lie in that pasture. Girl. <laughs> so that's secondary progressions. It's a little taste. We'll obviously go into it in much more detail in our upcoming course, and we'll pull up charts and help you all to understand it. But even if you don't take Astrology for Seekers with us, we hope that you will take a peek at your progress chart and understand at the very least, like, where's my progress sun? Because that's a whole other energy that you're yeah. moving into, you know? Like, to to have the awareness that, like, I was born in Aquarius and then I will retire in Taurus, probably. Like, that's the mm-hmm. progression my sun will take. God is willing I live that long. Really helps to frame the story of my life, you know? And if you're born in Scorpio, then you might retire in Aquarius, which I think is important to give yourself that sense of things that, like, you're digging deep in order to share the knowledge with the world i know it's so funny that i'm like heading toward like a progressed gemini sun and i in my mind have always told myself like you know i just want to work to get to that point where i can just like sit somewhere gorgeous and write books like that's like my dream well there you go (laughs) what house is gemini in your chart uh my well it's first and second oh wow so yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. I mean, my son is still obviously currently in that first house and will be for some time. So I probably have a long, I uh, still have a while, at least nine more years. Before your progressed Gemini son? Before my progressed Gemini son. And you'll be how old? Um, I guess I will be 40 or 53. So you could even progress into cancer. You could be like an old, wise abuelita. <laughs> I could be. Just like an 85-year-old witch teaching people secrets. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, but I would just say, like, get get a sense of your progressed moon, too, because that will explain a lot to you about what your needs are and how they want to be met. Yeah. And again, know that that one shifts, you know, every few years. Exactly. Again, you're still going to be what you were when you were born, but you have to find a way to mitigate between the two. Yeah, I'm still a Cancer Moon, but I got some Pisces Moon energy flowing through me as well. Yeah, it's like it's like the outfit that the Cancer Moon then puts on to wear, right? So the secondary progression is like the outfit that gets put over the foundation of the birth placement. Right, it's like how Madonna had like a different vibe every album. It's but like I'm in my Pisces still Madonna. Yeah, but I'm in my like Pisces Moon cycle. I'm in my ray of light era about to head into my music era and that's how i make sense of these things guys all right well let's round out this episode with a tarot card so just take a moment and you can connect to the sound of the cards by listening in to them being shuffled and if it's safe for you to close your eyes and just take a couple of deep breaths just giving yourself permission to turn inwards 
and to open up to receive a message that you need at this moment, trusting that it will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. Oh, it's the Page of Swords. Oh. We just taught this card know, right? last week in our Tarot Cosmos course. Shout out TNC 2021 fam. And the Page of Swords is definitely the gives no fucks card. It's this aspect of yourself that stakes your identity, claims it, and then isn't going to budge for anybody. And interestingly enough, when we look at the card itself, the Page of Swords isn't among a bunch of people. The Page of Swords is actually like alone, kind of high up on a bluff, really working that sword, getting their sword worked down, really coming to understand who they are and the story that they're telling with their life, and really able to grab a hold on the hilt of that sword of their identity. So then when they come into the realm of other people, you better watch out. So with Mercury direct, with Jupiter direct, with Saturn direct, there might be this sense of like, you know who you are. You know what you want. Are you willing to claim it? Are you willing to use your voice, swords, and speak up for who you are and what you want? And even if that makes other people uncomfortable, even if you think other people may not understand it or approve of it, can you own it as fully as you would if you were alone? And that is Page of Swords energy, is really using that story, that clear sense of who you are and what you want to be in the world to make your way forwards. Yes, ma'am. All right, sweet angel cakes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for giving us a reason to open up our voices and share and explore and learn. We hope you got something out of it in exchange. <laughs> and if you did, leave us a little review. Rate yes, five please. Stars. Don't be afraid. And if you have already, thank you. All right, well, be kind to yourself. Be kind to each other. Remember that kindness goes a long way, especially in times of great tension and profound change. Everybody is experiencing these transits, even if they don't believe in astrology. Okay, true that. And, you know, we're always um, doing all of our community offerings. You can find out all of the information about our Breathworks and Astro Club um, and all of our courses over at thespiritualgaze.com, or you can find us on pretty much all of the social medias um, at Instagram at Spiritual Gaze, Twitter at Spiritual Gaze, Facebook at Spiritual Gaze. If you Google us, you will find us. But uh, I guess until we meet again, this has been your transit through the, the Spiritual, spiritual Gaze. gaze.